So Father, I thank you that as we get into the Word this evening, that uh, it's not going to, you know, it's never intended to be something just informational, but it's going to be something that's transformational. Thank you that it's going to be something that impacts each one of us, that we're going to learn something we didn't know, be established in, in truth that we may have known, and that is going to cause fruitfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first verse there on your slides, uh, most of the, the verses are there. Philemon, Philemon 1, verse 4 to 6. <clears throat> I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Okay, so now Paul is writing and he's talking about a prayer that he prays. And he says, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all his saints. So he's saying, I've heard about your love. I've heard about your faith. He's not saying, I'm praying that you would have love and that you would have faith. That's very important. You'll see why in a bit. He's not praying that you would have faith and that you would have love because he's saying that you do have it. Okay, um, and then it goes on verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So what was he praying for? He was praying that the communication, communication being fellowship of your faith. Okay, that's what the, the Greek word for communication is there. The fellowship, the, the communion of your faith uh, uh, would become effectual, would begin to be fruitful. And not just fruitful sometimes, but fruitful all the time. Now think about it for a moment. When I say faith, what do you think of? Think about it quietly in your head. <laughs> okay, because most of us look at this verse and we think faith to get something. This is not talking about faith to get anything. Okay, so it's not the communication of your faith or the fellowship of your faith to get something. Because he's trying to communicate that you've got something. So it's the, the communication of your faith. What does that faith mean? So now we're going to go on a little rabbit trail. It's a good one. Faith here specifically is talking about the Christian life. The, 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 the faith. The faith. Not faith to get, but faith that you've got now. Okay? In 2 Peter 3, 5, uh, 15, it says that we should be ready to give a defense of the faith. It's talking about the Christian life. Okay, Acts 6 7 says that many priests, Jewish priests, came, became obedient to the faith, which means it's talking about the Christian belief. It's talking about the belief in Christ and who he is and what he's done. So the faith is speaking about something uh, 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 specific, not just faith to obtain something or get something, but the faith that we have because we are now believers. Okay, 1 Timothy is in your notes there, 6 7, uh, 6 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, whereunto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul's writing to Timothy, uh, and he's saying to him to fight and defend the faith. Why? Because there was many people going off track. <laughs> there were people abandoning the faith. Not faith to get healed, or faith to get prosperous, or faith to whatever. They were actually abandoning the faith to go after some of those things. <laughs> and he's saying, defend the faith, the purity of the message. As I was meditating on this, I realized like Galatians is a, a book written to defend the faith. It's Jesus, the, the, the gospel is simple. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. So it's not about what you do. It's not about what you haven't done. It's about faith in him. Many people think I've got to clean up my act, I've got to be squeaky clean before God will accept me. God accepts you based on faith in what Jesus has done for you. That's it. The rest is, is, is kind of, you know, how we live is important, 
But that's not what depends, that, that's not what saves you or doesn't save you. What saves you is, do you believe that Jesus died, that he rose from the dead to make you right with God? That's it. Okay? So, uh, the fight of faith is a fight to defend the purity of the message. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the faith. Jude 1.3 says, Beloved, when I give... When I gave all diligence to write unto you the common, uh, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Faith is delivered once unto you. Faith is delivered once unto you. What do I mean by that? You, 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 you believe the gospel, Jesus died, rose from the dead to make you right with him. Now you have faith. It was in that moment, it was delivered unto you once and faith never leaves. You might fluctuate in your confidence within your faith, but you always have faith. You might feel like, I don't have faith for that. I don't, I don't have faith for whatever, or I'm struggling to believe. The issue isn't faith. The issue is what you're thinking. Okay, we'll get into that a bit now, uh, the nuts and bolts of that. But now, Paul is, is therefore writing the, the communication of your faith. The faith, now going back to Philemon, what he's talking about is the faith of the message of the finished work of Christ, what Christ has done for us. The moment we receive that message, we believe that message, uh, 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 we, we, we have the faith of Christ. Okay, becomes effectual. He's talking about how it works all the time. So when we acknowledge the good things that we have in Christ, that because we're now believers and He's come to dwell in us, when we acknowledge those things, what happens is they begin to work. This is why some Christians have good fruit in their lives and they live good lives and they, they see great things and some Christians don't. Is <laughs> because the, the, the difference between the two would be what they're recognizing, acknowledging, and what they're focused in on. You can't be focused on the right stuff and have bad fruit. And so if you have bad fruit or the wrong fruit, you have to ask yourself, Do I, am I, I think I'm focused on the right thing, but is this really the right thing? Is this the right information that I have? Okay. The degree to which you acknowledge the good in you in Christ Jesus will be the degree to which it works. So sometimes the, 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 the truth of the word doesn't work in our lives because we're not acknowledging it enough. We don't believe it enough. We don't know it enough. Okay? Here's, a, here's an interesting thing I find. The word acknowledge, it says, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. Now, most of you have heard me, me use this analogy, okay? Acknowledge means to recognize, to perceive. Okay? So if I'm recognizing something, I recognize that the ESCOM has switched us off. <laughs> There's no more power. I've recognized that. Okay? Why did I, how could I recognize that? I'm recognizing something that is. I recognize that Bertu is here in the front row. Okay? Now, you know what many Christians do? They don't recognize what is. They think that they, they, they misunderstand the word recognize and they're, they're trying to recognize something that they want. And then it doesn't work because they've got wrong information. Like this. I recognize that my wife is sitting there. Marna is sitting there this evening. Can you see her? If you do, then something's wrong. Because she's not here. 
So, you know, I can recognize Martin is here all I want. She's not going to materialize there. So, so a lot of Christians are trying to recognize something, faith for something that isn't. And they'll confess it till they possess it and they'll go for it and they'll whatever and they'll name it and they'll claim it and they'll blab it and they'll grab it and it just doesn't come. Why? Because that's not, it, it's not in existence. Because they have the wrong information. So the word acknowledge actually in the Greek is epignosis which is accurate, precise, correct knowledge. So so often we don't see the fruit of our faith we don't see faith working in our lives because we don't have accurate, precise, correct knowledge. You know, Christianity doesn't work if I think, I feel, I heard. If you, one of these people I'm about to quote, we all started there. <laughs> okay, I started there too. But it amazes me how many people I'll sit with and they'll be like, I think the Bible says somewhere. <laughs> And then they'll say something, and I'm like, you've just taken a verse from there and a verse from there and put it together, and it's still okay. Or, that's nowhere in the Bible. Like the verse that says, God helps those who help themselves. It's not, the, it's not a Bible verse, by the way. Or, or the Bible, you know, like, we, there's lots of things we believe that really just aren't in the Word. What's another one that's common? Anyway, there's, there's little things like that that we just think, oh, this must be true, because everyone says it. It's like a, my favorite story on this. My favorite story on this. We had uh, Alicia, and she's the pastor in uh, Albania. And when she was an intern in Stellenbosch with us, um, you know, in our internship meetings and stuff on a Tuesday and everything, I, I, if people came up with ideas, which I love people coming up with ideas, but I had this thing I used to say all the time, you as the vision has the job. So it's like, don't give me your idea and expect me to do it. <laughs> if you got the idea, you got it for a reason. Go and do it. I'll support you in it. And so she was leading a meeting at one stage, and uh, uh, she said, what's that verse that Shane always quotes? He who has the vision has the, the, the job. It's not, a, it's not a scripture verse. <laughs> I'll remind her of that till the end of time. <laughs> the point is, is that we, we often all have those moments, and then we wonder why things don't work. It's because we don't have accurate, precise, correct knowledge. We don't know. And you don't have to know everything. Because Paul even said he knows Christ and Christ crucified. So it's like you just need to know what the, the, the main thing and then you grow in knowing him, Jesus. Okay, so what are we going to, what we're, we're focusing on tonight is the things that we should know as believers concerning our salvation. We've been dealing with foundations for a couple of weeks and this is really an essential foundation is what do I have in Christ? We're not going to discuss everything. But we're going to talk about some of this stuff. And I'm, I'm entitling it The Unsearchable Riches of Christ. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. Wherefore, I'm so grateful that I don't have paper right now. That I have a lit up screen so that I can read. <laughs> okay, because otherwise it would be challenging. Uh, wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. I want to pause here, because this is a great point. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. Then in the book of Colossians, he's writing to the church of Colossae. In the book of, books of Corinthians, he's writing to the church at Corinth. 
Okay? You pick a book, a New Testament letter, and it's written to a church or a pastor who's pastoring a church. And a lot of Christians don't value church. <laughs> church isn't the, the building. It's the community. It's the leadership. It's the instruction. It's the, the building up. It's the mission. But the, the, the whole Bible is about, the New Testament is about church. And within church, and a lot of people take Ephesians for themselves, but you can't, because it's for us. Anyway, I like that. Uh, uh, verse 17, this is what he's praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. So, he's praying that we would know something. He's not praying that we would have something. He's praying that we would know something, not that we would have something. Okay? Most of us, if we're honest, most of our prayers are about having something, not knowing something. Because we don't realize what the true need is. Okay? My people perish for lack of knowledge. That's in Hosea 4.6, I think it is. So it, the Bible's showing us that we perish because we don't know something. We don't perish because we've got a, an enemy. We don't perish because uh, 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 we don't have something. We lack something. We perish because we lack understanding. We lack knowledge. Okay? So he's praying that we would know something, not that we would have something. Because you already have. As a Christian, you already have. Now you need to know what you have. That's what we're talking about this evening. You need to know what you have. Okay? The riches of God's glory. Where are they in that verse? Like the Bible there is telling us where, these, where the riches of His glorious inheritance is. Where is it? In us, in the saints. We are saints. We are Christians. We are saints. Okay? It's not just Mother Teresa with that privilege. Okay, we all have that privilege. We are all saints. The Bible calls Christians, believers, holy ones, saints. When Paul writes to the saints at Ephesus, it wasn't just a few uh, clergymen. It was a multitude of uh, people, believers. Okay? So, <clears throat> the riches of God's glory is in us, the saints. As a believer, God has given us the riches of His glory. Okay, we're going to talk about what is the riches of His glory in a moment. But look at it like this. If you've got the riches of His glory, then you are a custodian of it. Amen. So if you don't see the riches of His glory, it's not God withholding. It's you don't have epignosis. You don't have correct, accurate knowledge. You don't understand what you've got. That's why we have church. So we can come to a correct, accurate understanding so that we can start to have our faith becoming effectual, our faith beginning to work. Okay? So, God has done everything that He could do for us. Now we just need to come to the place of accurate knowledge of what He's done and what He's given us. So here's a few things. The believer doesn't ever have a love deficiency. As a Christian, you never have a lack of love. You might feel like it, the person sitting next to you might feel like you're lacking some love, 
but you have love inside of you. Romans chapter 5 verse 5, it's not in your notes, but it says that the love of God is shed abroad in the hearts of believers. Shared abroad uh, uh, can also be defined as, I looked it up in the Greek once, and I, and I kind of realized that one of the ways you can define it as, is as gushing forth. So the, the Holy Spirit's job is to gush forth the, 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 um, the love of God in our hearts. You know, we kind of think of um, a shed abroad. We think of um, you know, something like this. The Holy Spirit has kind of given us a little bit of water. You know, a, a, a sprinkle here and there or something like that. But the, the, the Holy Spirit is gushed forth. You know, if you've seen Niagara Falls or if you've seen uh, uh, um, Big Falls, that's kind of gushing forth. Something that's overwhelming. So why don't we experience the overwhelming love of God? Because we don't know. It doesn't come through feeling. It comes through knowledge. God doesn't do anything through feeling. This is important, because a lot of you are looking for feeling. God doesn't do anything through feeling. That's not faith. He does it through knowledge, and the knowledge of the Word. And that can lead to feeling, but sometimes it doesn't. For example, when is right wrong? Never. When is wrong right? Never. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Have you ever felt like doing something wrong? just felt like it was right. You don't go by your feelings, you go by truth. It's wrong to, to knock someone in, 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 in the face, <laughs> you know, to, to assault someone. But sometimes we feel like maybe you know, this person needs just a, a, hit the, a slap up the, the, right, the right way or something. You know? it, it doesn't make it right because you feel like it's the right thing to do, right? Anyway, the believer never has a love deficiency. The believer never has a faith problem. Why? Because the day you heard the gospel, faith came. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the gospel. If you go look at it in different translations, it doesn't say by the word. When we, hear, when we read that verse, often it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And we think faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Bible. Faith doesn't come by reading the Bible. Okay? Faith comes by, by coming to know the message in the Bible of the gospel. Because the Bible contains the gospel, but the whole Bible isn't the gospel. Okay, that might be a new wrinkle for some people in your brain, but uh, uh, go and meditate on that, ask me about it afterwards. But the point is, is that faith comes by hearing the gospel. Because faith is a person, it's Jesus. So when you hear the gospel, we spoke about this last week, and you believe the gospel, you're believing a person, you're receiving a person, you're re receiving Jesus and his message, and now faith has come. And that faith that you have now stays. He never leaves. So the believer never has a faith problem. So it's incorrect for us to sing for faith. There's some songs like that. It's incorrect for us to pray for faith. As Christians, we, we've got faith. We're called believers for a reason. <laughs> Even if we're wavering at times, we've got faith. We're just not confident in our faith because we have the wrong knowledge. Okay? The believer does not have a power problem, except in the natural with ESCOM. Okay? But we don't have a power problem. There's no shortage of power in the believer. There's a shortage of knowledge, of epignosis, of right, correct, accurate knowledge. 
Okay? Uh, 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 Acts 1.8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's talking about salvation. You receive Jesus, you receive His Spirit in its fullness, now you are power-packed and fully loaded. Okay? And now you can be a supernatural witness in all the world. And what Paul prays for in, in either Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 3 is that we would come to understand, I've written it down here, he prayed that we would know the exceeding power that was wrought in Christ when it raised him from the dead. So it's, it, we don't operate in the power of Christ, or even in the power of love, but in this, the, this case the power of Christ, because we don't know something. Okay, we lack knowledge. Do you know the believer never has a thirst problem? The believer's never thirsty for Jesus or thirsty for the Lord or whatever. We sing songs like that and they're bad songs. Okay, John chapter 4 verse 13 to 14, Jesus is saying that if any man's thirsty, then come to me. He is the, the living water that quenches our thirst. You come to Christ, you become a Christian, and spiritually speaking, you're never thirsty again. Never. You'll never be thirsty. So we never have a thirst problem. We never have a hunger problem because we've received the bread of life. And we'll never hunger again. All in all, the believer is never, hung, uh, uh, never needy. Okay? My hand is up. Who's been needy as a Christian? We all, we all get to needy places. So we have felt needs. We have tangible needs. We have issues and challenges in our lives. But here's the thing. We're never needy as a believer because we've got the solution. So the, the issues and the challenges that we face in our lives, we've got the answer for them because we've got the unsearchable riches of Christ. Okay? So uh, 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 the reason why we're never needy is because we've got Jesus. We've got Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8. Unto me... This one is in your notes. Unto me, whom, uh, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, a couple of things I want to pull out here. In this, uh, uh, sorry, it says, is this, where does it say that? It says, is this grace given? Okay, grace is what someone else labored for, and I get to enjoy. That's the gospel. The gospel is, Jesus paid for it, I enjoy it. Okay, that's where a lot of uh, uh, um, traditional Christians unfortunately get it wrong and that a lot of people feel like, I need to earn it, I need to work for it, I need to earn salvation, there's something I need to do. No, because it's a grace, it's a gift. That's what grace means. It means you can't deserve it. You can't earn it. You know that you didn't even beg for grace. You can't beg for grace. Grace has just been given. You can beg for mercy, you know, in that context. But, but you can't beg for grace. Grace is unsolicited. Grace is freely given. Okay? You never asked for it. God extended it to you. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. As a world, we didn't say, gee, God, please send Jesus. God, please send Jesus to save us from our sins. No, there wasn't that. He, he saved the world, like without the world knowing, without the world asking, he did what he needed to do. He saw and in love, he extended. He didn't say, clean up your act, make yourself better, and then I'll come. We kind of have that mentality. How many people I've spoken to, unbelievers, and they say, 
uh, uh, I, I want to make a decision, but I just have to sort out some things in my life. No, you don't. Jesus doesn't expect you to sort anything out. All he wants you to sort out is, do you believe? Because all you're doing is you're accepting his message of, I'm rescuing you. I'm saving you. I'm giving you eternal life. Okay? Riches. So it says there that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. When Jesus spoke about riches uh, in the parables, uh, uh, he spoke about them as being uh, uh, uncertain riches or the deceitfulness of riches. Okay, the riches of this world is always referred to in the Bible as uncertain. What does that mean? You can't trust them. Okay, uncertain. You can have all the money in the bank and it can go. You can't put all your hope in uncertain riches of this world. My favorite story with this is uh, from Rita and Philip in uh, Solari's past. Um, he's uh, uh, Greece, uh, Greece. He is Greek from Greece and she is uh, from D Denmark, she's a Dane. And she, um, they, they, they left their, their, their country to whichever country they were in, I can't remember, I think in Greece, and they came to, 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 to South Africa as missionaries. They'd already been missionaries in India and all over the place, but they came to South Africa and they'd been here for about 15 years. And their family said, you're crazy, your government's going to take away your pension. The government took away their pension, so now they're on their own. And they said, don't worry, God will look after us. <laughs> and um, they said, don't come running to us when you need help. Then the Greek economy crashed. And this uh, retired couple, retired, they're working, they're, they're missionaries, in Solari's Pass, sent money back to the families in Greece so that they could eat. <laughs> God can look after you anyway. Okay? Because riches are uncertain. They felt confident in, we've got it made. But all of a sudden, overnight, we have nothing. Okay? We can't trust in uncertain riches. Okay, and that's what uh, 1 Timothy 6.17 says. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, which giveth us richly all things to enjoy. We must trust in God, not in the, 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 the material things that we have, because it can all burn. It can all disappear. Material wealth is uncertain. Okay, you cannot rely on it or depend on it. Therefore, the unsearchable riches of Christ is never material. The riches of our inheritance in Christ is not material. It's not money. I know it's disappointing for some because we like money, we all need money. But you don't become a Christian to become rich. You can be ungodly and be rich. There's a lot of ungodly people. I'm not talking of just unbelievers, but people who are like literally ungodly. They, they're not nice in the way they do business. They, they, they're unethical. And they have lots of money. Imagine if, like, like uh, I was thinking about it in terms of my life, if the reward for everything I'm doing, like ministry and traveling, and not like this weekend I wasn't with my family, and like all of these kind of things. Imagine if my reward for that was a house and a car. And then I look at unbelievers who have better houses and cars. <laughs> and I'm like, I would feel cheated, to be honest, if my, my reward was something natural, something carnal. I don't want that. I want something better than that. <laughs> better than a house and a car, even 10 cars or 10 houses. Okay? 
Here's the point. If you can get it without Christ, it's not in Christ. If you can obtain it without Christ, it's not part of your inheritance in Him. It's not part of what Christianity is about. So, can you become the richest person in the world without Jesus? Yes. So, can you be, so, so if becoming a Christian, is it about be, you know, becoming wealthy? No, depending on who you listen to. Don't listen to the prophets and all sorts of crazy people in, uh, 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 all over the show, especially in Africa. You know, we, 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 there's a lot of people pushing give to get, give to get. That's, that's not gospel. That's not Bible. Those people are, are, are charlatans. Okay, put it gently. 1 Peter uh, 1, 3-4 Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. The Passion says, We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, never be diminished. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Our inheritance in Christ is not money. It's not money. Okay? It's not something that can burn. You know, you, you, you can take all your money and you can put it in a pot and you can burn it. That means it can perish. Don't do that. That's not wise. But, but you can do that because it can perish. Okay? But, 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 but what we have in Christ never perishes. It's eternal. Okay, so what we have in Christ is eternal. So we've got to look at what are our riches. These are the things that we need to come to a correct understanding. I'm not going to mention everything tonight, but we need to come to a correct, accurate understanding of what we have in Christ so that we can enjoy it. The first one, very simple. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. So what is God rich in? Mercy. Love to. But in mercy. <laughs> Your God is rich in mercy. Mercy is wealth. Mercy is wealth. Okay? Think about it. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. All of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What that verse means is that we all, before we become Christians, we all lack the glory of God. We're all deficient of His Spirit. That's what it's talking about. Now, when you receive the Spirit of God, when you become a Christian, you no longer fall short. You no longer lack the glory. You've got the glory. And now we're talking about what is the glorious riches. We're going to get there. Okay? But mercy is wealth. The fact that God is not giving us what we deserve, but He's treating us with grace, better than we deserve, is amazing. That is... That, that is like worth more than money. I know sometimes we don't feel it's worth more than money because we would like some money right now. We can all use some extra money. But the, 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 the point is, is that it is worth more because it's eternal. It's eternal. Okay? Under the Old Testament, in the Jewish uh, uh, religion, if you want to put, look at it like that, uh, uh, you had to have a goat. Okay? You would look after this goat for a year. You'd feed this goat. You'd look after this goat. And then you'd take the, the goat to the temple. And the priest would inspect the goat. 
sacrifice the goat, and then you'd be covered for a year. Your insurance policy. (laughs) Okay? Now the goat would cover your sins for a year. And then the next year you come and pay your your premium again. Another goat. Okay? (laughs) How much more the blood of Jesus? Which was, look at it, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12. But this man, Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. One sacrifice for sins forever. Jesus was your sacrifice for sin forever. Present, past, future sins, everything's covered. And so coming to him isn't a case of, and receiving Christ and receiving eternal life isn't a case of, ah, I need to sort out the sin in my life. No, no, no. Jesus is going, I've sorted out your sin. Just receive me. Okay? And this is saying forever. And then he sat down. Why did he sit? Because he was tired. No, no, no. He didn't sit because he was tired. He He sat because it was finished. The sacrifice was done. There's no sacrifice that you can ever make that would be enough to atone for your sin. Even if you had two goats every year, it wouldn't be enough. And so now we see that Jesus laid down his life as a payment for our sin, and it's one sacrifice which is perfect forever. The next verse there, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. One offering, and now you're perfect forever. One offering, and you're perfect forever. And I'll throw in there, even if you don't live perfect. Now it's nice to live perfect, and we want to, be perf- we want to do the right thing. But it doesn't mean now you have to start trying to do everything right. It means now you've got eternal life in you, and God accepts you and relates to you because you've got faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Some of you, you were trusting God for healing and it didn't work. And you thought, Ah, I don't have faith for healing. God's displeased with me. That's a lie. You were believing for a miracle and it didn't happen. And you're like, Ah, God's displeased because I don't have faith. That's not what the Bible's saying. The Bible is saying that saving faith, the faith, that you receive when you become a Christian is what pleases God. And so now, it, it's basically showing that the unbeliever can never please God and the believer always pleases God. Even if the unbeliever, this is, this is difficult for people, even if the unbeliever is living better than the believer, the believer should live better than the unbeliever. The believer should be more loving and more kind and, and more uh, uh, generous and all of that. But even if not, God is pleased with you because you've believed His gift of Jesus. You've believed His gift of, I'm saving you from your sins. He, he's not impressed with you trying to measure up and you trying to be good enough. He's impressed with you humbling yourself and going, I receive this gift of eternal life. That's what pleases and impresses God. Okay? What this ver- these verses are saying is that sin can, for the believer, never stand between you and God. For the, for the Christian, sin is never in the equation of your relationship with God. Okay? This is the riches of His mercy. 
Sin will never be an issue for you and God. Because it's paid for. You've received the payment. Jesus stands between you and God. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So riches is knowledge and wisdom. For a Christian, we've got knowledge and wisdom of Christ. Romans chapter 11, verse 12. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of this world, so riches of this world can cause you to stumble, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more there, the fullness. So here, he's calling us, he's calling the riches uh, 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 salvation. And salvation is, no, brings knowledge and wisdom. We, we should never be unsure or confused or in the dark, should I say, in terms of decision making. You know, sometimes I don't know what I'm supposed to do in a situation. Sometimes I'm like, God, I need to pray about this situation. I don't know what to do. But I'm not confused. I pray and I get direction. I get wisdom and I get knowledge for the situation. The Christian should never be at a, a, a hit a brick wall and go, I just don't know what to do. Because we've got access to wisdom and, uh, and knowledge. Okay, Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 2. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. This church was poor. They obviously had no faith then, right? I'm making a joke. Because you're poor doesn't mean you don't have faith. Paul's writing about them and he's saying, these poor believers had no money, very little, and yet they were rich in liberality, in generosity. So they evidently had more faith than a lot of rich people because of the richness of their generosity. Okay, so the riches that this is showing us is generosity. God, for, you know, th th this should challenge a lot of Christians because a lot of Christians aren't generous. And we should be generous because Jesus is generous. He gave everything for us. We should be such a blessing to the world. Generosity is God working through us to be a blessing to other people. Because Christianity is not about you. Your relationship with God isn't just about you. It's about you being a blessing to the world. What did he say to Abraham? I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. So be a blessing with what you've got. You don't have to be Elon Musk and have his resources to be a blessing. You can, with what you've got, be a blessing. Even if it's a little. These guys were poor and they were rich in generosity, liberality. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.15 and he, and that he died for all, that they which uh, live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. I belong to him now. That's why I'm generous. You know, if we're full of ourselves and focused on ourselves, we'll hold back. But it's like, God's looking after me. He's my father. Uh, 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 I, I belong to him. My life is not my own. I have no life outside of Christ. Christ is my life. That's why I can be generous. It's easy. 
I want to just mention three divisions quickly of the work of Christ. Three divisions of the work of Christ. There's the finished work of Christ, which is what He's done to reconcile you to God and give you salvation or eternal life. Okay? There's the, the, the finished work of Christ. Now there's the ongoing work of Christ. The ongoing work of Christ is the renewing of your mind. The ongoing work of Christ is you bringing your mind, what you believe, into harmony with what Christ has done for you. This is what's happening now as we study the Word and as we dig into the Word. But then there's the unfinished work of Christ. I'm sure you haven't heard a message about the unfinished work of Christ. I haven't told one. But the, the unfinished work of Christ is prayer. Ruling and reigning in prayer. The unfinished work of Christ is praying for opportunities for the gospel, praying for, for, for without ceasing for those that are being persecuted, etc., etc., etc. But it's also um, evangelism is an unfinished work. Discipleship is an unfinished work. Giving and generosity is an unfinished work. Otherwise, if it was a finished work, we wouldn't have to give, we wouldn't have to evangelize or make disciples or pray. So there's work for us to be done. Amen? Colossians chapter 1, 25 to 27. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the riches here is the revelation of Jesus that was hidden from Genesis to Malachi, it was hidden, but now it's revealed. And what is the riches? Christ in you. That's Christianity. Amen. Christianity isn't trying to find Christ and live for Him. Christianity is, I receive, believe the message, now He comes to dwell in me, and now I am Christ in. <laughs> Christian. Okay, that's what Christian. It's, I'm, I've got Christ in me. Okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 to 6. When we were dead in sins, has He quickened together, uh, us together with Christ? By grace you are saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When He died, now this is, as a Christian, when you become a Christian, this is what you're identifying with. His death was my death. So He died for me, that's what we're believing. His, uh, uh, um, when he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead for me. When he was seated in heavenly places, I was seated with him in heavenly places. He was seated there for me. Because it says there, it uses the word together. Together. Okay, this is part of the riches of Christ. Our union, our togetherness. When we become a Christian, we become one with him. One with Him. Okay? Together. You know what the, uh, the, the, the Greek word for together, when you look up the definition, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. The definition is, uh, it means that you will never find one without the other. So you are together with Him now. Which means you'll never find Jesus without you. And you'll never find you without Jesus. Because a lot of us are like, as Christians even, where's God? Well, evidently, He's not in your thinking. Because you don't know something you should know. You haven't come to epignosis, the correct knowledge of something. Correct knowledge will cause us to never say, where's God? Because we know He's with us. 
Okay? So we, we come to a, 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 the together means we'll never be without Him. Jesus and me are inseparable. Even if I don't feel Him, even if I feel like He's far, He's never far, He's never gone, He'll never leave me, He'll never forsake me, I'm joined to Him for eternity. Christ now lives in me. Ephesians chapter, no wait, let's get to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 there. It says, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. This is showing us that Jesus wants to reveal his grace to you, his riches, his goodness to you. He wants you to come to know them. Why? Because then you'll get to experience them. Then you'll get to experience them. Okay, next verse there. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. We're coming in for a good landing here. Watch. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. I'm going to read that again. If you're following in your notes, read it with me. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. What does that mean? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened means there's a dark, it's a parable, it's a, it's a metaphor. Okay? Darkened means there's no understanding. Enlightened means understanding has come. It's like, case in point, this room. There's dark corners. Now, we would want light to shine in dark places. That's enlightening. Okay? Enlightening is understanding. So Paul's praying that we would have understanding. Understanding uh, what? That we would know what we're called to. The hope of our calling. The riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. He wants us to know the riches of His glory of His inheritance. Where? Where is the riches of the glory of His inheritance? In us, in the saints. He wants us to know the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Look at the next verse there. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Where are the riches of His glory? In us. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1.18 He's praying that we would know the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Same writer, different book, Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Where are the riches of His glory? In us. My God shall supply all your need according to what's in you. Let me change that. My God shall supply all your need according to who's in you. You've got Jesus. You lack nothing. You've got Jesus, you lack nothing. So this is talking about the provision of His Spirit now that lives in you. Himself that lives in you. So you're never without Him. You're never alone. You are, this is saying basically you're so rich. You've got, what you've got makes you so wealthy that you need no external support. You need no external support. Okay? Everything that makes God God dwells in the believer. Because God in His fullness dwells in the believer. Amen. God in His fullness dwells in the believer. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. 
See, God is able to do much more than we could ever imagine in our lives. He can do much more than we could ever imagine or ask or think. Okay? But how? According to, in proportion to, the power that works within us. The riches of His glory within us. His Spirit within us. Okay? But I want to draw your attention to ask or think. Because those are like prayers. Even thinking. Ask and think are like prayers. Ask and think are like prayers. So God, can't do, God can do more than what you ask or think. So what, do we, you know, what we've got to do, the Christian is the victor, not the victim. The Christian is the overcomer, not the overcome. Now think about the challenges that you're facing as a believer in your life. My, my, my God has supplied victory for you in that moment because of who's in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You are bigger than what's trying to overcome you. Now, I have to pause there and say this. The Christian is not a pessimist. The Christian is not a pessimist. We're not expecting bad things to happen. The Christian is not an optimist. <laughs> you know, we're not expecting good all the time. Everything's going to work out. People say, it, oh, I know it's going to work out in the end. How do you know? For some people, it doesn't work out. I know lots of Christians that it didn't work out so well. You know, so, so we can't just expect things to work out because we're, we're just optimistic. We have positive expectation. It doesn't work like that. You know, some people would add in there, the Christian is a psalmist. My cup runneth over. <laughs> I, I'm saying we're not pessimists. We're not optimists. We're Christians. The Christian believes that bad things happen. I said that. <laughs> I know, you guys, I know bad things have happened in a lot of your lives. And so, like, there's no escaping this world. Even if it's just persecution, bad things happen. And so, the Christian looks at a bad thing, a challenge that comes and goes, even in this bad situation, God will turn it for good. And even if this thing kills me, <laughs> I'm for eternity with, with, with Him. You know, I, I'm never without Him. That's, that's what, what happened with Paul. He was like, a, you know, he's in prison. He's like, you know what? I don't know if I should stay alive or not. Because it's better for me to stay alive and be here with you. But if I die, if they kill me, I can go and be with, with Jesus. So he's like, you know, I'm kind of like in two minds about this. What should I do? You know, that, that's the Christian is not the eternal optimist. The Christian believes the word. Which says, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for he's with me. The Christian believes that, hey, even though I've got troubles, he's with me. And he's going to help me through. I don't have to fear any evil. Because my God is with me. That's the Christian perspective. So, this is spiritual warfare now. Something comes into your mind. You're like, ah. Oh, I've got this hereditary sickness and uh, my uh, great-grandmother ended up in a wheelchair. I'm going to end up in a wheelchair. I'm scared I'm going to end up in... Like, you're just, you're just thinking about that or, ah, oh, you know what, nothing I do works out for me and uh, the businesses that I'm trying to start and this and that, the next thing, it, it doesn't seem to work out. I wonder if I'm going to end up on the street. 
Those kind of thoughts. Or, oh, you know, I'm just a, a failure um, and nothing I do works out and uh, I can't have good relationships. People don't, whatever. Like you, you think of all these negative thoughts. God is able to do immeasurably more than you can think or imagine or ask. Okay? But in those moments, what do we have to do? We need to warfare against them. We need to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to the knowledge of Christ. That's what the Bible says and that's what warfare is. We're taking a thought that's coming against us and we're saying, I'm not going to allow you to become my thought. And Jesus said, take no thought saying. So it becomes your thought when you say it. <laughs> How many of you had a random thought before? I've had many random thoughts. You know, and uh, 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 as soon as you start to meditate on it and say it, it becomes yours. So anyway, the point is, is when we have those thoughts, we need to push them down and go, no, um, God is always listening. This person is challenging for me. I don't have to just, I, I can love them still because I'm full of love. You know, uh, 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 my inheritance is I'm full of Christ. I'm full of his riches. I don't have to end up uh, like all of these things that I'm feeling and whatever. I don't have to fear any evil because God is with me. Okay? So we take the, 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 the bad thought that's coming or the bad whatever and we, we counter it with the word. We speak out loud because the word, uh, uh, we speak out what the word says to counter it and then we can start to see things changing in our lives. Okay? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. So we've been looking at what are the unsearchable riches. Firstly, His mercy. His mercy. That He uh, uh, is not holding anything against you and He's treating you better than you deserve. He's not treating you as you deserve. Okay? We looked at how we've got knowledge and wisdom. That's riches. We, 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 we are generous. Jesus is generous. We are generous. Okay? We looked at how uh, uh, Christ in us. That's the greatest riches that we could ever have. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Okay? And then we can see that, that God supplies our need for whatever situation we face according to the riches of glory which is inside of us. I used to think, my God supplies my need according to the riches and glory. You know, the streets are paved with gold in heaven, so yeah, He's going to give me something. It's not how it works. The riches of glory is not in heaven. The riches of glory is in you. That's how He provides for you. Is you waking up to what's inside of you and living according to it. Amen. Amen. So Father, I thank You that all of us would just rise up to live at this new revelation. This level, of, we, you, you can never live beyond your, your revelation of the Word. So Father, I thank You that we would begin to live at this level and, and grow from this place. Of knowing that you're dealing with us in mercy, that you're dealing with us in grace, and you love us, that you're not holding our sin against us, that we would, would, would even progress into to knowing that we've got the, the wisdom, we've got knowledge, because if we've got you, that we've got you inside of us, we have nothing to fear, that we're full of your power, full of faith, that we're full of love. We, we are not just optimistic for optimism's sake. We're not just pessimistic for pessimist, pessimism's sake. You know, we, we, we're not uh, whatever. We are believers. We believe your word. 
And so even in the midst of great trials and great difficulties and great challenges, we choose to have a hopeful expectation of good things to come because you are for us and you're not against us. Thank you, Father, that whatever challenges people are facing in this room, that you know, this would just give them the confidence to rise up and overcome. That's how you overcome, is you rise up in understanding, in knowledge, and you just make different decisions. You choose to reject certain thoughts and accept the word, accept the truth. Father, I thank you that there's just freedom happening in this room right now because of that. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask in a moment for what stands out for you. And it's dark, so it can uh, maybe be easier for you if you haven't done that before. <laughs> and then you can come and say, hey, this has stood out for me and no one will see you because it's dark. Um, what blessed you, what challenged you. And even if you have a question from the Word, then you're welcome. We'll get there now. But before you do, the last slide that you had there was just on giving. You know, I put it at the end this time. Uh, and you can read what we usually read about giving there. Let giving flow from your heart, not as a sense of religious duty. Let it spring freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. We have a box at the back. You can give online. We give even just as a response to the Word. In a while, this is impacting my life. I want to help others experience this. It's not because we want your money. It's not because we're, we're trying to get, make you poor. It's because we're trying to get the message out and reach more people. Okay? So thank you for your generosity. What stands out for you? You ready? Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I was just really blessed by the, um, the distinction between the finished work of Christ and the ongoing work of Christ and the, um, yeah, just to really see that we still have so much, I mean, it's obvious how much work we still have to do, and, but just to see that that part of Christ's work isn't, isn't finished yet, but we have the privilege of just partaking in it. Hmm. That's awesome, man. I nearly left that part out. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> I was looking at it and thinking, should I leave this out? Should I go for it? <laughs> Someone else? You're going to have to really wave because it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> go for it, Margaret. Thank you. Uh, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Mm. The riches are not in heaven, the riches are in me. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I'll say what stands out for me always from this is that the, the riches is in me, but the riches isn't money. Mm. So it's not like I'm an ATM machine, you know. Um, <laughs> what I have is much more valuable than money. What I have is much more valuable than money. It's good. Awesome. Go for it, Mark. It's good. And the devil can attack you. You know, he can, he can come and torment you. But you're bigger than him. Yeah. You know, you've got more authority than him because of who you are in Christ. So, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a done deal. Mm. Is it half a hand? Do you have half a thought about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, like, 
tomorrow's Monday and already sitting here thinking about the thing what needs to be done tomorrow. Mm. Gonna close this deal, do that, and uh, and and I suppose that's the same for everyone. So you know, like and just reminded of who we are in Christ uh, and the difference that we make wherever we go in our workplace, mm. as we go home, as I start by a shop, as I'm dealing with a client. Um, you know, like not to forget, just being uh, aware in every situation of, of who he is and how he's just wanting to reach out to, to mm. you know, other people. So mm. I find myself, that's my biggest challenge as I'm going around, is just slowing down a bit. Mm. And as I'm on my way somewhere, just reminding myself, like Jesus wants to speak to someone, and just being aware of, the, mm. of, of what he's saying in that moment and also being, mm. uh, I want to say brave, um, not brave, uh, uh, but bold. Bold, and, yeah. uh, and just going with whatever um, what it is given us because he's given us it all. Mm. We don't have an excuse to say, oh, I don't know what to say. Mm. <laughs> you probably did, you just didn't want to. I love what you're saying there because it's like, if part of the unsearchable riches of Christ is Christ in me, then as I go into the world, there's people who lack hope. Mm. Yeah. They lack love. Yeah. They lack Christ. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going there to be able to be a blessing to them. And a lot of people view Christianity or, 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 or their faith as a private matter. <laughs> and that's a lie from the enemy. Because, you know, it's like uh, we don't talk about faith or religion, it's a private matter. Mm. Then, then it's not a matter actually for you. It's only a matter if you actually uh, 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 make it a public thing. You know, if, uh, you read the Bible, you read Acts, you see that Christianity is a public issue. It's never a private issue. Mm. You know, you can't be a private Christian. Christianity is about like being a blessing to other people and it's unfortunate that so many people miss that that Christianity is about being a blessing eternally and temporary and yet there's so many Christians and churches which just give a bad name because they don't be a blessing you know it's a, a, a even the, the one guy who was at church this morning in, in four ways he, he um uh, he was testifying about how much the, the ministry and the message has impacted him and he's crying and everyone's crying and, and uh, he, he, he didn't want to come to church for a long time. Why? Because he'd been hurt in church. He'd been told lies in church. God doesn't love you because of this or that or whatever. And now, like he's hearing truth, it's setting him free and he's just so thankful. Yeah. We've got something that we can share with people. Yes. Amen. And so even from some of the things from today, you don't have to share everything with everyone, but you can share something with someone out there and it can enrich their life. Amen. Father, I want to thank you that as we go from this place, we're going full of everything we need to have a great week. I just speak blessing over each one here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything,